You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. To all of you who are streaming, thank you for joining us today at Passion Church. We're in our new facility, and we are excited. We have had some tremendous worship in the house. We're getting ready to break the bread of life. Thank you for joining us and being a part. Those of you who are watching on the WOTG network uh, on Roku TV, God bless you. So glad to have you along. Those of you that are listening by radio across the nation and in the other nations of, of our great world, uh, listening on the WOTG network, God bless you. Thank you. We're so glad that you are a part of our service today. Joshua, the third chapter. We're going to go to Joshua, the third chapter. And I'm going to tell you where we're going to start here in just a second. Joshua, the third chapter, we're going to start with the seventh verse and read to the 17th verse. I'm going to read out of the Amplified, which is a little more wordy than King James. It is in modern English, makes it a little easier for us to understand. Joshua 3, verse 7, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify you in the sight of all of Israel, so that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, and when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come near, hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will surely drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. That makes me want to itch, all those ites. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. So now take 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. And when the sole of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan coming down from above shall be cut off, and they shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from the tent to pass over the Jordan with a priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were in the brink of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of harvest. Then the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in a heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing downward to the Sea of Arba, the salt or the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. In verse 17, and while all Israel passed over on dry ground, the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you, Father, that your word doesn't need anointing. It's already anointed, but your servant does. I ask, Father, that you would allow me today to share with what the, the concepts and the precepts, Father, that you placed upon my heart, and to be able to share them in such a way, Father, that we grasp the message that you would have for us in the next few moments together. We'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory and the praise in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. amen. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, hot dog, we're in the promised land. Last week we talked about the Joshua generation and it's time to take the land. 
That one gets down in me, and that one was exciting last week because I knew this week was coming. And when we got over here and we started working this past week, I saw people driving themselves silly. In fact, there were people here till about 8.30 last night, still putting all the finishing touches on everything that needed to be done. And uh, wow, what excitement. If you're joining us uh, by live stream, we're celebrating in our brand new building that has taken us two years to get into. And God is doing awesome, amazing things as he has promised us from the very beginning. The very first word that the Lord spoke to us when we came to this region was that the drought was over. Not just a physical drought, because we were in a physical drought, but there was a spiritual drought that the Lord mentioned. And as we just read in this passage, when it's harvest time, that's when the the Jordan is out of its banks. That's when the Jordan is overflowing at the time of harvest. When Pastor Colleen and I arrived, we're getting just a little bit of a, a, a blowback on this mic, if you'll work on that. When Pastor Colleen and I first arrived in this region, two other groups of people had rejected a move toward revival. And when God sent us here, we were like, really, 30 miles from where we originally started, you would move us and tempt us to move clear across the nation to bring us back 30 miles from the strategic location that we started. But the reason God did that is he knew I would never leave the region I'm in because I'm a loyalist unless he dangled in front of me a hungry people. And when all was said and done and we arrived in this region, standing and looking outside of the window of the little house that we were renting at the time, the Lord began to speak to me that the drought was over and that he was about to pour out the rain. I delivered, I got that on a Saturday, delivered it on a Sunday morning, what the Lord had spoke to me personally. I asked the Lord if I could write it down. I did. You all have seen it. You've heard me deliver it several times. When I delivered it, the day I delivered it, it began to rain. I mean, it literally began to rain as I was delivering that word. And although we've had some little natural droughts here and there, it's never been like it was when we first moved here. And it isn't very long that a drought might come along that the Lord's not pouring out rain again to prove to us his word that it will never be a drought like that one again. But what excites me more is that God wanted me to know that there's been a spiritual drought in the area, but the drought in the spiritual aspect is over. God is pouring out his rain like never before. God is desiring a people like no other people. God is desiring a move like no other move. While there's a great falling away, there's also a great awakening going on in our midst. We look around and society is doing everything it can to blot out and stomp out the name of Jesus Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, God's got another plan for this region. Every man and woman of God that were in the other address at 1018 North Cedar and laid on their face seeking God for the day that he would pour out his presence, it has arrived. We are there. We are in the midst of answered prayer of the saints of several generations. And we get to be the carriers of, of revival. And this revival isn't coming out of the heart of a hungry people who've just laid desperate. This revival is coming out of a hung, the heart of a hungry God who wants a hungry people. And he went on a search and he found a region and he found a people. And tag, you are it. I don't know what that does for you, but that excites me. I'd slap my neighbor a high five and say, hot dog, it's time for revival. Hmm. 
So last week we talked about the Joshua generation, it's time to take the land. And the Moses generation, they had the promised land there before them, and it was always there for them to take. But they got tripped up when their fear overrode their faith. How many knows that not everything goes the way you think it's going to go? How many knows when God delivers a word to you, it doesn't always turn out or pan out exactly the way your mind thought it would go? When the Lord began to speak numbers to me, I had no idea he had television and radio in mind, something I fought tooth and nail for a long, long time. And one day, the Lord just began to speak to me. He said, will you do TV? I said, Yeah, <laughs> but you know I don't like it. I added that. I really did. You know I don't like it. And the Lord said, said I want you to. And I said, yay. No, I went. And the reason I, I say this is television I've watched it become a monster for so many ministries that I was like, I, I, don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want to chase it. I don't want to chase the money. I don't want to buy cameras. I don't want to have studios. I don't got time to fool with that. I want to win souls. I want to help people. I want to be with people. And the Lord said, I want you to. And I said, yes, very reluctantly. And little did I know that God would orchestrate it so that I don't have to have any but one camera. I don't have to have studios. I don't have to chase all that. All I got to do is get up and preach on Sunday morning. I love it when the Lord works something out. And the Lord said he wanted to use it for a very specific purpose. And I'm so excited about what God is doing in our midst but the Moses generation got hung up by fear. The Lord has spoke so many things to us, and I've stood before you week after week, year after year now, and shared with you the things that the Lord has said to me and to others uh, in our time of prayer. And as I share it, some of those things just seem impossible. Just like the Lord saying that my music the stuff I write, would take off and suddenly be, be opening doors and doing things. I thought surely I had ate some bad pizza when the Lord gave that word to me. I know my talent. I'm not puffed up about my talent. I know I'm mediocre at best. And yet, God opened the doors. The songs are now around the nation and around the world on many stations around our nation and around the world. And I stand in awe of what God has done. And God has answered these little things along the way to let me know that the first thing he said to me, that we would host a revival that would reach numbers that are staggering. When he released that, that is hard to get your mind around. But then when all of a sudden, when TV is made easy, all of a sudden when radio is made easy, when doors open that you weren't trying to open, when people come to you and ask you to do something that you had no clue or no drive or no push to do, suddenly you realize God is in this because he's already told you it's coming. And so just like the Moses generation, they knew, they knew that Canaan land was their promise. But where they got into trouble was when they realized that it was going to cost them, they were going to have to go into that land and fight for it. And you all know the story. They sent in the 12 spies. Ten came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. If everyone would have listened to the two, they would have had the property 40 years earlier. 
But now they've lost it all, wandering around in the desert, only seeing their promise from a distance, but never being able to retrieve it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be of the Joshua generation, not the Moses generation. I want to be with you. I want to be with those of you who want to put your hand to the plow and see it come to pass. I want to be with those of you who are willing to fight. I want to be with those of you who are willing to come in here day and night and work yourself feverishly in order to get carried out what it is that you believe God is doing. I want to be with you. Their fear overrode their faith. It wasn't a lack of God giving them signs, wonders, and miracles. They were getting signs, wonders, and miracles every day. So just laying on our face and crying for God, show me a miracle and then I'll believe you, isn't the way. God could show you a thousand miracles, but until you determine in your heart to believe his word and to stand up and to go after it, you're going to always be a wanderer in the wilderness. Who can say amen to that? They feared that they weren't enough to achieve God's promise. And they were right. They weren't enough to achieve God's promise. None of us are big enough. That's why we need God. I could never do what God's called me to do if I didn't have God. These ideas initiated by God can be done because he's chosen me to do them, but without him, I can't do a thing. Without him, we can't do a thing. We would have never got on this hill had God not empowered us, and we heard his word, and we dared to believe it. Who can say amen to that? Y'all are looking at me like, I don't know about you, Pastor. Here's what the Moses generation missed. Joshua sent in spies, but he sent in two. They had a 50-50 chance that these guys would come back, one maybe with a negative report, one with a positive. Possibly both of them would come back with a bad report, but hopefully both would come back with a good report. But Moses sent in 12, and there was a majority rule. You got to be careful with a majority rule because the naysayers almost always outweigh the faithful. The naysayers almost always outweigh the faithful. It takes grit in your crawl, Rocky, to to step out and to go after the things that God has told you to go for. You're a unique group of people because you have believed God all along. You've believed the things that this overweight pastor has got up here and released to you that has come out of our personal prayer time. Many of you have heard God for yourself in your prayer closet, and what you hear lines up with what God has said about the house. And so you've had faith enough to stand with me and dare to believe when everything else looked as though it would be impossible. The Moses generation came back with great promise. You know, they said it is a land flowing with milk and honey, But then they added, but the odds are impossible that we can do it. Joshua, in chapter 2, in verse (laughs) 9, let's take a look at that. Joshua 2, verse 9. We're trying to go somewhere, I promise you. Look at this. Verse 9. This is Rahab the harlot. These are the spies, the two spies that have been sent in by Joshua. And here's what she said. And she said to the men, the spies, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. This is what the Moses generation missed. They stood on this side fearing what was beyond the walls. And if they only understood that who was beyond the walls was standing on the inside of those walls with their knees trembling, that at any moment Moses and this nation that were wandering in the desert would cross the Jordan and overtake them. That word faint means that they were overtaken taken 
like melting wax. They were overtaken in heart. So take a look at this. Uh, let me find it here. I got to go back. I got ahead of myself. Anyone ever done that? Oh, okay. Look at verse 24 in chapter 2. Rahab had just told that to the spies. The spies have now returned, and here's what they say to Joshua in verse 24. They said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, for all the inhabitants of the country are faint because of us. They believed the word. And they brought it back to Joshua, who was the first generation who stood on that soil and said, ah, it's a great land and we can take it. Oh, there's giants, but we can take them. He was the first generation who believed that. Now he hears confirmation of what's already in his heart about the promise of God. He had to wander with the Moses generation in the desert for 40 years. He had to watch God work mighty miracles in their midst but not be able to touch the promise. But now God has called him to be the man to go in and receive the promise. And he could do like the other generation before him. He could stand on this side and fear what's on the other side, or he could act upon what has been brought to him. And what was brought to him is that those people are more scared of us than we are of them. Mm. So when Rahab said, we all know God has given you the land, everyone who lives here is afraid, they're faint, they're weak, they're afraid of you. They've been trembling for a long time. For generations, we now we've sat over here for 40 years waiting, knowing one day you're going to come across the land. So we're not surprised that you have come in here, and we're not surprised that you're about to overtake us. But they reported to Joshua, and Joshua said, Hey, hey, they're scared of us. They're scared of us. 40 years of wandering for nothing. There was no reason to have wandered for 40 years. They could have moved in 40 years ago, but God's promises are never revoked. If he promised it to you, then go get it. You may have wandered around a while. There may have been some delay, but it's not over till God says it's over. And God never revokes a promise. If he's given you a promise, you can bank on it. That's why the word says the promises of God are yes and amen because he backs his promise. If he spoke it to you, he expects you to believe it, but not just to believe it in your head, but to believe it in your actions. He wants you to get up and go after what it is he says you can have. Joshua was excited because he found out they're scared of us. I could just see him. They're scared of us. They're scared. I can just see it. It becomes a war cry, a chant, a little saber rattling on the other side of the Jordan for a moment or two. They're scared of us. They're scared of us because they know our God is a delivering God. Our God will keep his word. Our God is as strong as his promise. So that brings us to chapter 3 where we've read. And I want to start with this and title the message this today. Faith is a verb. Faith is a verb, not a noun. Faith is an action. And God is looking for a people of action. Who could say amen to that? Slap your neighbor a high five and say, you look like you're about ready to jump. Mm. Faith is a verb. Now look at this. Here they are. They've been with Moses. Joshua has seen God move in mighty ways. 
He has witnessed all the plagues of Egypt. He has witnessed God blow a wind on a sea and roll it back and cause it to roll back right where there's a land bridge so that it dries quickly so they can walk across. But God, what he did for Moses, might have a slight variation in what he wants to do with Joshua. Don't ever get your sight set on somebody else in ministry because what God does with them, he may do differently with you. So don't try to mimic other people and act like other people except to mimic maybe their faith but not their actions. God took a different approach. With Moses, he opened the sea, then the nation went. With Joshua, he says, I want you to put the Ark of the Covenant on your shoulders, one person from every tribe, and I want you to step into the water of Jordan trusting me that I will make a way. <laughs> they stepped into the water and got their feet wet. Now those that had been there before, Joshua and Caleb, and seen how God rolled it back had a moment to doubt right there. It didn't work the same as it did for Moses. But when the priest, final priest's feet hit the water, something began to happen. Something began to happen. It said the water set in a heap. How does water heap? Only God can make water heap. Look at this. Faith is a verb. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, get your feet wet. <laughs> we always want God to give us Moses-sized miracles. The water's open, the dry ground is there, then we go. But oftentimes, God is waiting on us. He's already made the proclamation. He's waiting for you to believe it and act upon it. Make up your mind, how bad do you want the promise? Do you want the promise bad enough you'll get your feet wet to go get it? What if God didn't roll the water back? Are you going to swim across the Jordan? What are you going to do? Are you going to sit back and be crippled in your mind and say it's an impossible thing? Or are you going to step out and take a, a faith action and let God be God and prove himself in the midst of what seems impossible? Are you still with me so far? Look at this. So make up your mind. If you have God's word, go after it. Here's what you need to understand. The enemy fears you. We forget this so often because we, we, we allow ourselves to believe the devil's behind everything. We allow ourselves to believe that the devil's bigger, far bigger than he is. The only power he has is deception, and it's a really old tool in his arsenal, and he's been using it for a long, 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 long time. He can lie to you, but he cannot overpower you. He can lie to you. He can even at times deceive you, but he cannot overpower you. He is not a giant. He is not an unbeatable foe. He's a fainting goat. I know some people who raised those. I was, I was out at Stephen Robbins one day, and they have some fainting goats. And Steve had to show me how it works. And I, he said, come on up here to the gate. I came up to the gate, and he calls sheep over, and, and they're, uh, those goats over, and they're all just loving and kind and just looking to him like, oh, our owner, feed me. And he, all of a sudden, he goes, hey! And that goat just goes, eh, poof. 
I mean, he just froze. Wham, bam, he was on the ground. And this is what the devil does to us. But we're not goats, we're sheep. He's the fainting goat. When we understand who we are, and we get in his presence, and we understand who backs us, and what promises we have, we can stand before that goat and go, hey, and we'll pass right on through and do whatever it is that God's called us to do. (laughs) I don't know why I went there, but I had to go there. Mm. Yeah, it's time for us to scream boo and watch him fall out in fear. How often have we delayed the gratification of a promise because we acted like a fainting goat? Mm. How often have we had a delayed response to God's word of promise while we tried to work up the courage to get our feet wet? One thing you need to understand about the promise of God, if God calls you to something, it's so big, it's going to mess you up. It's beyond your ability to truly dream. When God said, buy this, I'm like, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. Come on, I know, have y'all ever been there? Y'all are building a new house. Did you have a moment? I ain't got no money. Don't say that to Steve, though, because he's wanting you to pay him. (laughs) The enemy is the master at telling you, you can't. I know this message is really, really simple. Is that okay? I'll I'll get sophisticated next week. The enemy is the master at saying, can't, 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 can't. Sound like a goat, doesn't he? Can't, 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 can't do it, can't do it. 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 Is this getting irritating yet? Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't. Can't do it. Was that good? Can't do it. I know this is getting irritating. But after a while, you got to get irritated with that dog. And you got to go, hey! So he can go, He's a fainting goat. Stop letting him talk you out of the blessings of God. He's a fainting goat. If the word says you can have it, you can have it. (laughs) Mm. So when the priest stepped into the water, got their feet wet, suddenly a miracle took place, a symbolical miracle. The waters were parted from a city called Adam to the Dead Sea. Now, here's the symbolism. By faith, sin can be rolled back to its origin as if it never happened. And you can walk on your miracle to the place of your witness, for now the salt of the earth is flavoring God to all of mankind. On one side, your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. On the other side, you represent your God if you'll step out in faith and you'll be the flavoring of the earth. Is this all right? It doesn't matter. I'm going to preach it anyway. We have many promises personally and corporately. Open doors and blessings and impact and souls and corporate revival. But revival isn't just going to land on us. We want to come in here and God just dumps a bucket of putty on everybody and we go, ooh, wasn't that wonderful? 
But can I tell you the truth? God's looking for a people who go after revival. God's looking for a people who believe his word and will not be denied. He's looking for a people who will pay the price, whatever it is, to step out and to go after what it is that's already been promised. Revival isn't just going to land on us, but it is already promised. But we must make a move toward the promise. If God said it, you can bank on it. When God spoke of revival, I knew it had the promise of expanded borders, a larger place to stretch out our tent stakes. And now the Lord knew every move that I would make in order to get here. He asked me because he knew my heart. He asked me because he knew my resolve. He asked me because he knew I could get you to understand his vision. He asked me to do it because he knew that even though I am a passive personality, there's a bulldog on the inside of me that will not ever in this life say uncle. There's something deep within me. No matter how bad a circumstance beats me, I will rise again. I will stand up if I've got a promise because I know his promises are yes and amen. I've got to hurry. On August the 5th, 2014, it was at midnight. Here's what God said to me. I've got it actually printed out here. Don't know that I'll read the whole thing. But just, these, just this opening statement would scare the average person. Here's what God said to me. Son, oh, don't you love it when God calls you? Son. Son, you are going to host the next big revival. This time, no one will touch the glory. Masses are coming. Prepare. You have been told. That was God's opening statement. I felt significantly small in that moment when God said it, yet something on the inside of me said, yes. Something in me went, it's way too big for me, God. And yet something else on the inside of me said, oh, yes, it can be done. My mind, if I would have let my mind wrestle with this and not just believed it immediately, I could have talked myself out of what it was God wanted. The reason we're here is when God spoke this, I knew where we were was not big enough. And when I drove through town for the first time and saw this building, it was even before this was spoke to me, I knew something needed to be established here. And when God began to speak, I knew. He went on to say, I, I expect you yielded and to teach yieldedness. Your message of remnant is right, and I'm going to use the cutaway misfits to show the glassy-eyed, star-struck church what my true visitation looks like. You will be in a building project of some kind until I come, and do not stop building. Do not be anxious for money. Be obedient. The plan spoken to you this evening is exactly how I will do it. Each time it will come. 300 is not enough. 500 is not enough. I will tell you the number when you can handle it. Stop your small-mindedness and stop self-deprecation. Stay meek and I will take you places beyond your dreams. You will soon need many staff members. Do not delay the preparation for the time is at hand. I heard your prayer. Go heal them. Give me the glory. 
Your music will indeed make a mark on society. You are opening hearts with your simple manner. Know this, I have stepped in your boat. Don't refuse help, for others have been called alongside. Fire is falling. Fire is consuming. Fire is cleansing. Fire is healing. Pastors will be healed in your meetings. Marriages restored. Homosexuals set free. Tormented souls saved and set free. Demons are going to run for their lives. I want you to fast, and I will help you. Prepare, for all this begins right now. There will be seasons of private retreats, and Colleen will be running the operational day-to-day details. You are not to get too close to anyone who will pull your focus away from the call. Music will be taken care of, plenty of finances to finish, all the songs you are yet to write. Listen to me. Time to pray, meditate, and ponder. The word is a must. Do not get caught as Get caught up in projects as you did before. There's no time to get distracted. Stay focused on me. Now, here's what I want you to hear. God knew, excuse me for that, God knew every move I would make even before he gave me this word. You who've taken this journey with me, you're going to know exactly what I'm saying. Pick out what you want to build, or the building you want. and I will let you know if it's right. I'm counting on you. Do not do what all the others have done. Follow me. <laughs> I love his instruction. You're going to host a big revival. I love the fact that he said not to touch the glory, but to fast and prepare and pick out what you want to build or the building that you want. I will let you know if it's right. Those of you who walk this journey with me know I did both. And God knew I would do both, and he put it in there because I thought that was the strangest thing I'd ever heard, that God would give me a mandate that wasn't clear. It wasn't that the mandate wasn't clear. It's that I wasn't clear about God's word on the mandate. And God made sure that when he spoke to me, he put in the provision for my waiver. It wasn't doubt. It was not understanding the direction. After my second attempt to purchase this only to be laughed at, and kind of made fun of, I thought, this must not be God. It's not going to happen. You know the story. Thank you. You know the story. (laughs) On a Sunday morning, we'd been getting these wonderful offerings Twice we had $20,000 come in. Wow. I've never had an offering more than four or $5,000 in all the years that we were a church in the past. Suddenly, when this mandate came, a church from Kansas City sent us a check for $1,700. That opened our building fund. Then came a check for $20,000. Down the road came another check for $20,000. And on a Sunday morning, A family that was attending church here at the time wrote our first check for $100,000. When the girls called me on Monday morning, they said, Pastor, we've got a check here for $100,000. I said, what? I said, go down and read what they wrote because it's probably not the same as what's in the little box. Come on, it's like faith, don't it? They said, Pastor, we have three times. It says $100,000. I went, well, praise the Lord. We had church. We were running down the highway headed towards Liberty going, hallelujah. People around us looking at us like, what is wrong with you people? But if you've never had a $100,000 miracle, you wouldn't understand. 
with that $100,000, I went out and bought a piece of land. It was the wrong piece of land, but I bought it. It really wasn't conducive, really, to what we needed to build, but it was available, and it was in our price range, and it was pretty, and we bought it, and we went and we had plans drawn because I'd been turned down twice on this building. i got to hurry with this. We had the plans drawn, and for a year we sat on the plans. We talked to all the people about coming and building it. We even had our, we even had our builders lined up. But nothing seemed to be working. We couldn't get it to work. We had picnics on the land. We went to the variance meeting about the land because there were some people opposing us putting a church there, and we won. So that felt right. We had picnics. We had prayer sessions. We had fun on the land. We anointed the land. And then a year later, I won't mention names, but he's sitting here on the front row. His name's Christian. He said, Pastor, have you thought about the Ford building? I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, I said, I was real polite. Yes, I've thought about the Ford building. He said, I just feel like we ought to take a look at it. I'm like, look at it twice. So I got someone to let me in. We came in, walked around the building, and my heart went, yeah. And when we walked in, it wasn't near as nice as the first time we looked at it, Marilyn. First time we looked at it, it was kind of nice in here. Fans were moving. Air was moving. By this time, it stunk. The air was thick. It was like, We walked all around, went upstairs on the old stained carpet upstairs. And while we were up there, we began to pray. The elders and I. And suddenly, I began to ask everyone. And, and I said, what do you think? And they said, this is it. So what do you think? This is it. What do you think? This is it. And I walked away going, this is it. But they ain't never going to talk to us. I've already been through this twice before. This time, something changed. We decided this was it. And we were going to go for it. We were going to wade out into the water of God's promise and trust him this time. We decided to put the land up for sale. Now, the land set for two years before we bought it with not much interest. I was a little nervous as to how long it would take us to sell the land. We did not even get the sign on the property before it sold. We said yes, we put our asking price on it, sold it for our asking price, cash money, $15,000 more than we paid for it, and we were told we paid way too much for it in the beginning. And we knew we were right. But God put that provision in there knowing my vacillating mind. He put it in there so I would understand when we got to this place that he was in all of it. He protected me and sheltered me for buying the wrong piece of land. In fact, the day that I signed the papers on the land, God spoke to me and told me. He said, hey, I want you to understand today what you're doing is right. So I felt all dignified. Long story short, a year later when I sold the land, I understood completely what God's plan was. He was helping us make more money. Only my God. 
So as you know, I did both. When we first arrived in town, I set my eyes on this place, approached buying it and leasing it twice, was turned down, then bought the land, drew up plans, then came back to this by the suggestion of others, sold the land in a week, made a profit, and I knew it was all right. I didn't stand still, and I didn't wait for the waters to part. I went in after it. And I want to share with you just real quickly something I pulled out of the Draw the Circle study that we're going to be doing here in just a few weeks. Fifty years ago in Mississippi, I believe it was around the Delta, there was a time of difficult drought. And the farmers of the region were beginning to get worried because their crops were burning up, things weren't looking well, looked as though it could be a bust year if something didn't change. And the farmers called a prayer meeting. <laughs> and so they all came to a local church house in the town. This is a true story. When they arrived, most of them were wearing their bib overalls, their boots. They looked like farmers. And they all came in to pray for rain. But then one farmer broke through the back door, dressed differently than the rest, for he was wearing waders like you fish in. He wore those waders into that meeting, believing that their faith collectively in that room would produce rain. And he didn't want to get his feet wet when he went back home. After that prayer meeting was over and the final amen was said, only one of those farmers went home with dry feet. It was the man who dared to wear the waders into the prayer meeting and believe that God would do what God had promised to do. Mm -hmm. So I said all that to get us to this place. It's time that we put our action to faith because faith is a verb. True faith doesn't mentally ascend to the truth. It acts upon the truth. Those farmers left that prayer meeting that night with wet feet, but that one he left with dry feet. And if we're going to capitalize on God's promise of revival to us, shouldn't we come prepared to receive? When we come into this house, when we come to worship, don't come in here and allow the world to weigh you down. Come into here and shake the world off that you may stand in his presence and scream at that fainting goat. I'm almost done. I know you wish I was. God has already proved so many things that he has said to me that I cannot stop here and I cannot be satisfied. Oh, but I can use this moment as proof positive that God is keeping his word to us. I want to know who's going to wade out into the promises of God with me. Who's going to come and take a leap of faith with me? I want to be those numbered with those that signs and wonders follow. Where we get tripped up is we want signs and wonders to lead. If God will work a sign and wonder, I can believe him and I can do it. Well, yeah, that's easy. But God works with a people who dare to believe, and then he lets signs and wonders follow their actions. That's why when Peter walked by, it's his shadow that cast the healing not Peter. Signs and wonders were following him, not leading him, following him. And Passion Church, I've kept you way over time today, but how do you not on a day like this?
Let me conclude it with this. I'm ready to put my faith to action. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're standing in your promise. We thank you that we're standing on your word. We thank you, Father, that we have proof positive that you are with us. We thank you, Father, that standing in this place today, you have moved mighty mountains for us to be here. You have rolled away red tape that should have held us even longer from occupying this property. And yet, God, you gave us favor both with you and with man. And today, Father, we use this as the understanding that you are just getting started in the revival that you have called into the Northwest Missouri region, that there is a mighty revival in souls, Father, who are about to come for the first time to salvation, that the church of Jesus Christ is going to come back to its senses and the truth and to shake off all of the compromise that we can be the body of Christ still holding to the uncompromised word of truth. We thank you, Father, that we are those who are of action. We are an action people who put our faith to action in your promises, and we're coming after the promises that you have made us because they are yes and amen, and they belong to us, and we will, at the end of our time here on this earth, we will stand and view with our eyes what it is God has done in our presence. We will stand and behold a mighty revival. And today is just step one. We ask, Father, that you guide us, direct us, and lead us from this moment forward into the fertile fields of harvest. Let your rain pour and overflow the banks around us. Let the world know that this is clearly harvest season. Expand the laborers in this place and strengthen those who've already put their faith to the test. Strengthen those who are standing in the midst of the promise today and help them to relay the stories over and over to the newcomers who need to hear what God has done to get us here today. We'll be careful, Father, to give you the glory and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whether you're streaming, listening on radio, watching on television, or you're sitting in this congregation, if you're facing a trial, a test, a hardship, but you have a promise but you're honest enough to say, I'm struggling with the promise today, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask those two individuals to come. I want some prayer warriors to come and to meet with them. Then I'm going to come and agree with you. Father, I pray for these who are streaming right now. Just raise your hand physically wherever you are right now. Father, I ask, Lord, right now that you strengthen the faith of this one that's watching. If they've never asked Jesus into the heart, then right now, Father, I compel you who's watching, call upon his name. Ask him, Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Remove my sin as far as the east is from the west, and I will serve you all the days of my life. I will receive you as my Lord, and I will live for you until the sounding of your trump? Or should I go by the way of the grave? I'm going to give you my everything. If that's you, be sure to drop us a line and let us know. You'll hear it at the end of this program. Be sure to drop us a line and let us know that you prayed that prayer today. If you're struggling within yourself, if there's a promise that you need to get your hands on and you need faith, raise your hands now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that our faith has been put to action. And we scream at that fainting goat that we may step across into the yes and the amen of God's promise.
We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.